Hi, friends. Hi. Welcome to They're Terrified and Tipsy. I'll start. Okay. My name is Courtney. Uh, I love long walks on the beach, Mm -hmm. white wine, and I absolutely love scary movies. And I'm Stephanie. I also love long walks on the beach. I love white wine, but I absolutely hate (laughs) scary movies. So Stephanie, Mm -hmm. can I ask you a question? Please. Why in the hell would you want to watch scary movies and do a podcast on scary movies when you hate them? Oh, that's easy um, because you forced me. Mm, that's that's true. <laughs> but you know what? Hmm. There's wine. Yeah. So I'm basically only here for the wine. <laughs> lots and lots of wine. <laughs> We're going to need it. <laughs> well, since we have very different feelings about scary movies, we decided to share our emotional struggles with you all. Yeah. So grab a glass of wine, your mm-hmm. favorite couch blanket, and get comfy and enjoy the ride with us. Also, you can find their Terrified and Tipsy on Instagram and Twitter, plus all the podcast platforms. For links, head over to tipsypod.com. Cheers. So I got myself a fancy new computer. You sure did there, bud. I'm excited because it is much less noisy than my old computer. And it's a lot lighter and faster. Yeah, but 15 seconds ago, it was like... Okay, yeah, but think about how loud my other one was and for how long. That was just a quick little energy tap. So. Chaw feel. So I'm excited about my new computer. It's pretty nice. I like the aesthetics. It is, uh, except for the lack of numbers on the right hand side, which I wish I'd noticed because I miss that. It's weird how used to touching those numbers. Easier. It is. To to type there than it is along a line. It's funny how far away that feels. Right. You got to reposition your whole whole body. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, I really, really need to reach for that number six. Like, it's a stretch. For number six? I don't know. Any numbers up there, it's a stretch, man. Why'd you pick number six? Because it's the devil's number. Mm. So I was kind of thinking. No, it's just Natural a random view. number choice. But it works. It's the devil's number. It is the devil's number. Even we understand your secret little messages. Welcome back, spirits. Howdy. I'm Emily. I'm Joel. And you're listening to... Drink. Drunk. Dead. Dead. I was late. You were. Try it again. Drink. I started off. Okay, fine. Then go. Drink. Drunk. Dead. There we go. Nailed it. It's pretty well, good. What? Nobody has to know about the other one, right? Exactly. Oh, now it's your computer being all loud. That's not my computer. It's not my computer. That is for sure your computer. It ain't mine. Because the way it must be vibrating through the table. <laughs> it's not even getting picked up, though. So. Woohoo! So, what are you drinking tonight? Still with the uh, wild turkey. Wow, I can't believe it actually made it that long. Hey. It's pretty mean. Not really. We go through a fair amount. We? The two of us. I mean, we go. Th- we have something new almost every week. Yeah. I feel like a bottle isn't that much every week, though. So there you go. Then really? Still on the wild turkey? Yeah, but you're surprised. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, still on the wild turkey, my guy. You going to be drinking your um, root beer whiskey next week? I might have to tap into it tonight. We'll, we'll see how. Who made that? Who? The root beer. I think it's called Railroad Distillery. It was the one done in Vallant. Yeah. I think it's called Railroad. Okay. I was just curious. I didn't get to try any other stuff. You left me. They had some good looking flavors. They had 
like uh, smoothie kind of like cream based mm-hmm. with whiskey. With whiskey and moonshine. They had like a strawberry banana one. I didn't try it, but it would have been interesting. Uh, the only thing is they were like 20 bucks for a mason jar, and mm-hmm. I wasn't trying to spend 20 bucks on something that I really didn't enjoy. After we spent. I don't know. No, no. Those ones were expensive. Those were like 40 For a jar of for it? For a jar, because it was like special. That's a lot of money for a jar of liquor. Right. So I paid 20 bucks for those. Yeah. A piece. Buy three, get one free. That's still a lot. Considering you can go get a whole fifth at the liquor store of uh-huh. some whiskey for But you're getting bucks. something that you're not going to get at the liquor store. Right. It's like the uh, cider that we got while we were there. Which you never drank. I did. I had some of it. Some of it. That bitch was 22 bucks too. You drank it. It's still in there. Oh, well then maybe we'll have some of it later. <laughs> I don't know if it's any good anymore. It's cider. It's already aged. <laughs> like, right, but stuff can go bad. You know that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. alcohol kill it off. We're good. I'm still with the uh, the Bada Box Pinot Noir from last week. I'm surprised you haven't finished that yet. Are you, though, really? Yes. Lies. Lies your Even piss. though I shared it with your sister. She went through her entire bottle and then busted into mine. <laughs> hey, she she said she was going to be listening. Yep. So you know what we should do? Huh? Is we should put some secret like phrase in here or something. So Ashlyn, if you're listening, which you said you would be, you got to text both Emily and I in a group chat and say, you got to say green Tupperware lid. That's very specific. It is. That's how we know that, that she listened. <laughs> She's going to send us a text and we'll be like, what the fuck are you yeah, talking we'll about? about it. <laughs> we need to congratulate our winner of the big giveaway. Yeah. We did the drawing on Sunday. Big You're old so- fancy spin wheel. Yeah, it was one of those random randomizer wheels online. Yay for free shit. All right. And it, it chose Ty from Twitter. Tweeter. Yep. So I sent his prize out today. Woohoo. Congratulations, Ty. Thank you very much for listening and for entering. We appreciate your face. We do. We appreciate everybody that listened and entered. It means a lot. And we got a lot of compliments and people saying that they were really enjoying the show. So hopefully they stick around and listen for more. And if not, oh, well, you gave us an awesome August. Thank you. Exactly. It'll be something we have to do again. Again. It was fun. Yeah, yeah. I'm hoping to order um, a bunch of stickers and do like a sticker giveaway. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves stickers. Everybody loves stickers. Everybody loves stickers. I thought that would be fun. Exactly. So, uh, do you have a spotlight for me tonight? Okay. Bada bing. Bada boom. Bada bing, bada boom. Was I supposed to go somewhere with that? I don't know what you're... I'm well, not picking up what you're putting That's down. up to you completely. But you failed the test. Okay. So, just let you know. So, I decided to highlight the Latin American Legal Defense and Education Fund, or LALDEF, which is fun to say. L-A-L-D-E-F. We did something Latino two weeks ago. So their mission mission statement is to defend and promote the civil rights of the Latin American community and facilitate its access to healthcare and education and advance cross-cultural understanding in their region. Each year, they have over 2,000 direct beneficiaries, which is pretty incredible. That is a pretty good number. It's a large amount, yes. Through programs like the Mercer County Area Community ID Card, Healthcare Outreach, Youth Mentoring Program, known as Futuro, F-U-T-U-R-O, Citizenship and Legal Clinics, Tax Return Preparation Services, and Job Placement Services. LAUDEF helps the Latin community with causes surrounding civil rights, crime and law, minority rights, and immigration. They became established in 2004 to promote the rights of all immigrants, focusing on the Latin American community in the Mercer County, New Jersey area. I thought it was Mercer County, PA at first, but then there's Mercer there's County. There's a lot of Mercer County, yeah. How 2004. Original, right? That's pretty recent. 2000, yeah. 
Wow, 16 years. That's still, considering how many of ours have started in like the right. 50s, 60s, 70s, that's fairly recent. Right. They facilitate access to healthcare, education, and legal representation. They advocate for the integration of immigrants and foster intercultural communication to strengthen communities. Laudef has created a community ID card, which I think is something very fantastic, and I think you will too, once I tell you. What is a community ID card? Community ID card. Yeah, what is that? Well, I just told you I'm going to tell you about it. So tell me about it. Well, I was already going to tell you well, about it. Why'd you have to it? ask about it? And when I told you, <laughs> I'll tell you about it. So tell me more. Oh my God, stop. <laughs> the community ID card. I'm telling you, are you listening? I'm listening. Community ID card, which recognizes the holder as a Mercer County area resident. It is accepted by police officers in multiple surrounding municipalities, Mercer County Sheriff's officers, government offices and courts, emergency services and doctors, public libraries, schools, banks, pharmacies, and stores. Did you say libraries? I don't think I did. I think you did. I don't think I did. Do you eat strawberries? Strawberries. 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 <laughs> so they highly promote, the law def, highly promotes the use of this card to obtain widespread use and acceptance of the card. They are working hard to extend it to other municipalities. Currently, the city of Trenton, Ewing, Plainsboro, Princeton, and West Windsor accept it. So this card essentially is, um, I think it was more so designed for emergency situations. If they have this card, emergency they can... Emergency library situations? Hmm. So Originally. Oh. Listen. <laughs> Sorry. You aren't listening. I'm listening. To communicate information that otherwise, if they were in an accident, they couldn't, or if they had a, there was a language barrier, mm-hmm. they couldn't communicate certain things. So this card was put in place. But you can use this. It's just as valid, at least in these communities, as a state-issued ID. That's pretty awesome. Right. Because sometimes a state-issued ID can be hard for people to get a hold of it. People don't realize how many steps there actually are to go through to get those things or what kind of documentation, and it does take take a while. while. The cool thing about here, um, they make it super easy to obtain one. They have have issuers at places of worship, libraries, the social services offices, and even Laudef's own offices at a few locations across the areas that they serve. Of course, it didn't say how long the application process and everything takes and then to, to get you one, but I'm sure they have to do background checks of their own to probably authorize it. Um, but I imagine it still is quite a lot quicker than going through the Department of Transportation. Well, especially for if you think about immigrants and the kind of situations that they might be put into where they need to have this form of identification. Right. That's pretty cool. I think so, too. So I thought that 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 was one of the the coolest things that they offered. The Futuro, which was the youth mentoring program that I had mentioned earlier, is for first or second generation Latin Americans. It is for high school age students with an intent to go on to college. They provide mentoring and tutoring services, SAT and ACT preparation, assistance with college applications and scholarships, volunteer opportunities, and even provide stipends for laptops or textbooks upon graduation from high school. Oh, that's a big deal. That's huge. That's a big help, especially if you're in a community that's struggling. Exactly. And those things can be so obtainable sometimes. You mean so unobtainable? Huh? You said so obtainable. Did I? Yeah. You mean unobtainable? Yeah. So it does, so it, I mean, it provides quite a bit for a large community. Yeah, it does. It sounds like it provides a lot. For adult education, they provide programs like ESOL, which is the English for Speakers of Other Languages, high school equivalency exam prep in Spanish, citizenship preparation, and even driver's education programs. I think it's important to cover all age spectrums. Well, it is, yeah. I mean, it's not like just one group of people 
needs a hand up or or needs recognition. Yeah. Everybody has their own hurdles to overcome. And no two are often alike. I know I need some driver's mm-hmm. education. You do. Scare me sometimes. <laughs> so Laudef uh, relies heavily on the contributions from the public with more than 85% of their operating budget coming through individuals and foundation donors. So if Laudef seems like something that would be of interest for you to support, you can go to their website. It's just laudef.org, L-A-L-D-E-F. To learn more or to donate. Thank you. You're welcome. I, I've really been enjoying hearing about all these organizations and the different ways that they have of coming at the same problems. Right. It's really interesting. And it's awesome to think about how many people out there actually give a shit about helping somebody else. Yeah. There's quite a few of org- organizations that do some amazing things for people. Oh my gosh, there's so many. It's honestly been humbling to do the research every week and just just see all these organizations out there. We sometimes can have a hard time choosing because there are so many to choose from. Right. Which it's is a good, a good problem to have. Yeah, it's a good thing to run into. <laughs> Shall I get into some fun facts for you? All right. So I have some fun facts about the county of Essex in England. So I pulled these facts from the Essex Herald website because I was lazy and I usually find one spot for my facts. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'll be honest. I go to one place and that's where my facts come from. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. Essex is home to more speed cameras per linear mile than anywhere else in the world. So don't speed. You speed definitely cameras. Mm-hmm. New England. Uh huh. I believe it. So if you go there, just make sure that when you're in Essex, watch your speed because they're gonna get you. Unless you don't have license plates on your car. Mm, that's fair. They can't really track you down that way, but I'm sure they'll find some other way to get you. Over a traffic ticket? You think they're going to put that much effort in? Um, if you're driving without license plates, yeah, probably. It's also home to the oldest wooden church in the whole world. It was built in 1081 AD, which was shortly after William the Conqueror came over, which was 1066 AD. What's it made of? You're funny. What? You're funny. What do you mean? I said it was the oldest wooden church in the world. No. <laughs> <laughs> you legit didn't know what I said. <laughs> You're a dork. <laughs> well, you probably said it quick. You mad at me for not listening to you? <laughs> I don't think you did say wooden. I did. I really don't think you did. <laughs> I heard it's the oldest church built nope. in eight, oldest wooden something. church in the world. You'll hear it when you go back. Yep, yep. And, and you'll I'll be hear like, that I'm right, like right usual. Again. Here's another one for you. This one I thought you would find really interesting. People there are 38% more likely to be hit by falling airplane parts than anywhere else in Britain. Which, like, why do you have this statistic? That is a very weird statistic to have. Who was like, you know what? I feel like there's an unusual number of airplane parts. Yeah, if you're paying accidents. attention to the news or something, and every two days there's turbo prop propeller. If you're in Essex and you see something falling out of the sky, just get out of the way. It's yeah. an airplane part. It's not worth figuring out what it is going to hit you. You have like those industrial strength umbrellas that are just reinforced steel. It's got to walk around with a hard hat everywhere. Yep. Diamond coated hard hat. And my last one for you, this, I just found an entertaining fact. Okay. If you're a fan of big old boobies. Boobies? Boobies. Okay. Essex is definitely the place for you. 25% more D to G cup bras are sold in Essex than anywhere else in the UK. I'm sorry, ladies. That sucks. I cannot relate. D to G, your backs must hurt. Well, either either they got big titties or 
they like to stuff their bras. They or, might actually be a B cup, but they're throwing a double roll of Charmin up in there every single day. <laughs> I don't. My brain went more to teenage boys using them as slingshots. Like, <laughs> what will hold the biggest boulder? <laughs> like, grab the thirty-two double G. <laughs> Yep, that's where my brain went. I never used a bra as a slingshot. I just used, well, a slingshot as a slingshot. Bras don't make very good slingshots. They're too cupped. And there's not enough elasticity in the band. They can be, it depends. Depends on which kind you get. Not enough to be a strong slingshot. You clearly haven't tried using one of these before. I have. I'm an engineer, okay? (laughs) Okay. I can tell you from experience that I've used one before, and they do a decent job. They're not the world's best slingshot, but when you're in a pinch, a bra will do. (laughs) I'd like to hear the story of somebody who was in enough of a sticky situation that they'd take off their bra or go find one to use it as a slingshot. See, I feel like an A or a B cup would work best because it's a little it's more nice and tight, narrow. Those, wow. Like a G cup would just be ridiculous. It would right. just get That's stuck like a three in there. It's more crew. like trying to use a catapult than a exactly. slingshot. You got to figure out how to harvest the power of gravity for that one. It might work. Yeah, you could cut the cut that off and turn that into your catapult bucket right there. We're thinking. We're thinking. Yeah, we smart. We we started drinking a little early tonight with our dinner, so we're we've had our drinks. The good ideas are getting flowing. Do you feel like we're on our way to being drunk? I think you're certainly getting there. Um, how I'm much as was... gopher as a sober. Uh huh. Uh huh. Now I think it's time for the dead. Gotcha. <laughs> you're so proud of yourself, <laughs> dweeb. All right. You're so rude. You just called me a dweeb, and you really want to say I'm rude? You just flipped me off. I'd say that's ruder than calling you a dweeb. I don't think so. Did you say suck your left asshole? The psychologists say that you hear what you want. (laughs) All right. So this was another request. Mm -hmm. This comes from Matt. He's out in the, he's out in Essex, out in the UK, and he wanted to hear some stories about haunted Essex. So I did a little digging and it did not take long. There are a shit ton of stories. And it took me a little while, but I picked out the one that I thought was really fun. And it turned out it was linked to a story I'd heard before, and I was like, <laughs> All right. So my sources for this episode were Mysterious Britain, Mysterious Universe. UrsulaKemp.co.uk, Live Science, Occult World, and BBC, and Wikipedia, because Wikipedia is always a thing. According to the Essex Herald, during the Middle Ages, Essex County had more reported witches than Devon and Cornwall combined. Which really didn't mean a whole lot to me. I was like, wow, okay, I don't know how many witches Devon and Cornwall combined had, but I'll get into that in just a minute. Okay. So the county definitely had a reputation at the time, and the fear of witchcraft was clearly very real for the people who lived there. It was a, it was a, a real issue, enough that it blew other counties out of the water. So I watched this video from a Yale professor named Keith Wrightson that talked about witchcraft, especially in Essex, and he said that during all of Elizabeth's reign which, well, okay, I should say Elizabeth I, because we have an Elizabeth I, which spanned from November of 1558 to March of 1603, so that's, what, like 45 years? The county of Hertfordshire, which is just north of London and was really populous, only had 24 witchcraft cases in 45 years. It's quite a differential. Sussex which is a large county to the south of London, only had 14 in that time. The county of Essex, which kind of abuts Hertfordshire, it's just to the east of Hertfordshire in London. So Mm -hmm. Hertfordshire had 24, Sussex had 14. Essex, during that same time frame, 
had 172 cases of witchcraft just during her reign. That do- that's not like the whole long. I think it was like a two or three hundred year span of that's witchcraft, of witch hunts. That is astronomically different. 172 versus 24 or 172 versus 14. If you lived in Essex and you were a woman, you were pretty much fucked. Sucks. Yeah. So, in 1644, which was smack in the middle of the First English Civil War, this broke-ass lawyer that was named Matthew Hopkins began his really short but awful career as a witch hunter. And he really kind of set a precedent for for the years of accusations and executions that would follow. His main stomping ground was in Essex. Until he came around, the crime of witchcraft was treated pretty much like any other regular day-to-day crime. It, it was a crime, but it was a normal crime. But once he became involved, he began to link their practice and the crimes to devil worship, which made them heretics and enemies of God. And this was under Charles I, I want to say. Yeah. Charles I. Charles I and, and the Civil War, so like the Puritan Uprising kind of thing. But either way, heretics, no longer a normal crime, no longer just imprisonment, possibly death if you did something really, really bad. Now, as a witch, you are fucked, right? Mm -hmm. They were thought to have rejected Christ and instead honor the devil, which would in turn give them supernatural powers. Hopkins believed that witches could be identified by marks or like imperfections called devil's marks which were given to them when they'd sworn allegiance to the Dark Lord. And these things were, this included things like birthmarks, third nipples, which for some reason popped up a lot in my research, so I'm guessing that in Essex, third nipples might be a problem. I don't know if I'm wrong. I'm sorry, Essex, but it pops up a lot in your history, so maybe look into that one a little bit. Or what the statistic is there. (laughs) If you have the statistics on airplane parts. (laughs) So birthmarks... Third nipples, warts, and sebaceous cysts. So that's like sweat gland cysts and stuff. And moles. So old women with hairy lips, crooked noses, sunken cheeks were particularly suspect. If you looked ugly. You were a witch. You must be a witch. There's no other reason for you to be ugly. As were people who were too close to their pets. So old ladies are suspect. People who are too close to their pets are suspect. So also old ladies. Mm-hmm. Especially if they really like their cats, which is, again, like old ladies. Mm-hmm. This is because Hopkins believed that witches had something called familiars, which we've talked about before. It's a pretty common belief that witches will have some kind of spirit animal. And for some, it's a spirit guide. Hopkins believed that they were these low-ranking demons that were disguised as animals that were given to the witches by the devil. So the witches needed these familiars near them at all times to be able to access their powers. So it was kind of like having that demon familiar was their direct line to the devil Mm. and their power. So he thought that familiars were fed on the witch's blood, which they would suckle from the teat. And from what I gathered, this was another function of the devil's mark. It wasn't like the actual tit. It was the devil's mark that they would suckle from. Huh. That's what I gathered from my research, though. Gotcha. So this broke-ass lawyer turned kind of celebrity witch hunter. He would travel around East Anglia, which was like all of Essex area. And he'd get paid the big bucks by the townspeople who hoped he would come in and clean their village of witches. And he was pretty fucking notorious. He was only around for three years before he died. And it looked like it was a pretty heinous death himself. But uh, he did some damage while he was there. In his work, he had three favored ways of detecting witches, which were pricking, swimming, and sleep deprivation. So pricking involved using a blunt, a, I can't say, a blunt blade. Blunt blade. A blunt blade. Needles, or his personal retractable blade. Retractable retractable i can't tonight you said that right the first time it didn't feel right coming out of my mouth it was like (laughs) retractable but he named this thing 
the needle, which anybody who's a fan of Game of Thrones knows that name. But he would use this to stab suspected witches. This is because he thought that witches could be stabbed without bleeding or showing any marks on their skin. So he or his group of cronies, also known as witch prickers, would stab the suspected witches on their devil's marks or elsewhere. Sometimes they thought the devil's mark is hidden, so they would stab women. And then if the woman didn't bleed, then she's a witch. Usually... After they'd already shaved her head to toe first. So this poor woman is humiliated and then she stabbed a shit ton. And if they didn't bleed, boom, witch. So how many did they convict with this method? I did not see that number. I wasn't looking everybody's that bleeds. Wasn't looking that number up. But well, I mean, you can prick certain things on your body and you won't if they're just doing little pricks, well, depends. Right, but they didn't have fine needles then. They sewed. They sure as shit had sharp needles. They had clothing, which means they had needles. No, they didn't. <laughs> metal <laughs> wasn't, just walk around metal butt-ass wasn't naked. invented yet. <laughs> String. You can do it without a needle. You think you're just magically shoving the thread through the fabric? No, you cut a hole. I'm going to get back to my story now because I don't really know where to go with that ridiculous comment. (laughs) I don't know why you think it's ridiculous, but okay. It's pretty ridiculous. Continue. So he was also a firm believer in what he called the swimming test. And this is a really famous torture, which we've seen featured in things like Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And this is something in which the accused witches would be tied to a chair or they'd have their arms tied behind their back or sometimes they'd have their thumbs tied to opposite toes kind of thing, and then they'd be thrown or lowered into a body of water. And if they sank and died, then they were innocent, and they'd be, oh, it's 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 okay that they're dead and we sent them to this awful death. They're in heaven now. It's fine. Right. But if they floated, however, then they were definitely witches, and they would get ripped out of the water and go be burned. And there are accounts, I did read a couple accounts of people who floated and were later burned. Which sucks. That would be horrible. Not only are you about to be drowned, but if you don't drown, then you're burned alive. Those are two of the worst fucking deaths. Yeah. And you are subjected to both. Fuck that. So why would he think that floating could be a sign of witchcraft? Why do you think? Because their broomstick is up their ass and wood floats. That's an interesting take, but it would make it very challenging to fly. Well, you pull it out when you need it. (laughs) Just store it up there. (laughs) (laughs) It's telescopic, of course. You couldn't fit a whole broomstick up there. So I used to think that the reason that that they would think that they'd float is because they'd use their magic powers to float. That's not what they think. They follow hot air. It's believed that since they had renounced their baptism when they basically swore their allegiance to Lucifer, that the water would reject them and they would float. Hmm. I would not have guessed that one. That's a pretty, like, you have to be religious, I guess, to guess that one. Mm. I, I'm not religious enough. I would have never thought of that. I didn't understand all water was holy water. I guess. I don't know. So, finally, he was really fond of employing sleep deprivation, which apparently... I'm guessing he kind of set the standard for sleep deprivation and making this a really popular thing. And it's still used in the military today. Right. Like, I'm, I'm guessing it's been around forever, but something about what he did must have put it on the map. Mm-hmm. And now it's it's been around since then as a popular means of getting confessions. That's, quote, not torture. It's still fucking torture. Yeah. So, when you compare this to the others, it doesn't sound so bad. But it was used to keep the suspects awake for days on end. And they were under constant surveillance. And they usually had a really strict, like, bread and water diet. And eventually, he'd be able to just coerce confessions from them. This was how he did it quite often. Just basically wear people down, beat them down until they can't... They don't have any energy to fight it anymore. They're just so exhausted and they're broken. 
going that long without sleep will break you mentally for Absolutely. sure. So now we're going to jump back in time a bit to some witch trials that may have inspired some of Hopkins' beliefs. In 1563, Queen Elizabeth I passed a new witchcraft act. Others had come before, but hers was, it was harsher and it was it was more relevant to our story. So that's the one I went with. Okay. And it was the one that would have been, I think, act, the act of law at the time. In it, if a person was found to be practicing witchcraft, they were imprisoned for a year, and then they were put in the stock four times during that year for their first offense. And you know what the stock is, right? That's the the two wood boards with the holes for oh, the okay. arms and the hands. Like at Waldemir. Yep. So you can get your picture taken in it. Yeah, essentially. That's cool. But less cool for the witches, I think. They don't like their picture Probably taken? Probably not so much. They couldn't move. Hmm. So this is where... I was talking about how it was originally a crime. They got big titties. And they got to sit in those things bent over. The back problems. Dude, if you were a chiropractor in that day and age, you probably were making a killing. That, well, you're not wrong. See? I, can't, I can't really argue with that. So anyway, this is where kind of how I said it was originally just... It was a crime. It was treated like any other crime. Witchcraft is a no-no, but, you know, we're not instantly sentencing you to death. If they did it more than once, then it was death by hanging, but that was pretty standard for a lot of things. However, if they were convicted of murder by witchcraft, the death sentence was mandatory. But I think that was probably not that uncommon for any kind of murder. If you murdered anybody, your death sentence was going to be, or your sentence was going to be death. So, on March 29th of 1582, 14 women from the village of St. Osseth, Osseth, yes, I think I'm saying that correctly, were tried for witchcraft in the nearby city of Kelmsford, which Kelmsford had its own witch hunt there under Matthew Hopkins. He came back around and wiped that city out again. Delightful. Mm-hmm. So, charges brought against them ranged from things like causing illness, placing curses, to sticking familiars on their victims, and murdering. Through witchcraft. Ten of those arrested faced charges of bewitching to death, and two were eventually executed. The two that were convicted and executed were Elizabeth Bennett and Ursula Kemp. So what led up to these executions? What a name. Ursula Ursula. Kemp. (laughs) I did a story with um, Ashley from Studying Scarlet where she covered... A little girl named Ursula from Germany. It's a very German name, I guess. Hmm. Well, I couldn't find a whole lot of information on Elizabeth Bennett. It seems as though, from what I gathered, Ursula named her as a witch. But it only happened after Ursula was convicted and offered some kind of leniency if she gave her jailers the names of other witches. Which comes back up later. Those jailers are jackasses. Hmm. Full of shit. So after Ursula pointed the finger at her, poor Elizabeth confessed to having at least two familiars. She also confessed to killing two people through the use of witchcraft, which was an automatic death sentence. Elizabeth was held in prison for six months until her execution. She just said, fuck it, I'm not trying to be here anymore. I, well, I mean, if she was tortured in any way, if she, sh- she wouldn't have been shaven. That was Matthew... Hopkins thing that was like 60 years later, okay. 50, 60 years later. Matthew Hopkins actually comes after all this. Mm-hmm. I think this kind of stuff inspired him. But they probably would have gone through some kind of sleep deprivation. They definitely went through some terrible interrogations. The The lead investigator in this was kind of a douche. Although I couldn't find a whole lot of information on him, what I did gather was that he was a dick. <laughs> General consensus. Yeah. So... Let's talk about Ursula Kemp. Of the 14 women that were arrested, she was the first. Before her arrest, she'd been a pretty well-respected midwife. She was a wet nurse and a local healer with skills that were similar to, like, an apothecary, such as mixing up salves and making herbal medicines. So if you don't know what a salve is, it's basically like an ointment with medicine Mm -hmm. in it for the people who haven't heard that word before. 
I love history, so that one's familiar to me, but probably had to look it up my first time, too. One of the ways that she was known to heal was to remove curses or malicious spells that were cast by other witches. This is also known as counter magic, and she was really popular for this. So she was already believed to have some kind of supernatural power. But it benefited everybody else, so they didn't care. Right. And for quite a long time, that was the case. People seemed to like her and respect her and appreciate her. They came to her for help. They thought that, you know, she has these supernatural powers, but oh, well, it's it's good for us. But at some point, one of Ursula's neighbors named Grace Thurlow came to her seeking help for her sick son, Davy. Ursula helped the boy with incantations and magic, according to Grace, and the boy got better. So it was basically just like, I think she mixed some well-known medicinal plants into some ointments and gave it to Davy. And then she said a few things and she would go outside the house and say some magic things. Then come back inside the house and say some magic things. And then Davy got better. But it's probably really that she knew how to make some medicine. Do you think that it was marijuana? They put the weed in the ointment? (laughs) I don't think that was the case. I know they use a lot of like St. John's wort and witch hazel and things like that that they could have easily gathered. Witch hazel. In the forest. But when Ursula tried to get Grace to also hire her to be a wet nurse for Grace's new baby daughter, Joan, and Grace refused, the two of them exchanged some heated words. Yeah. And not long after the argument, Joan fell out of her crib, broke her neck, and died. Hmm. Still, Ursula's cool. nothing's, Nothing's gotten out of hand yet. Grace returns to Ursula again. For help with another issue, she begins to suffer from lameness, which they think is probably related to, like, arthritis, that she had some kind of arthritic issue. Again, Ursula helps, and she eases the pain of the person who had really just been kind of a dick to her, had not been grateful for her services at all. But after Grace received the help... She refused to pay the fee for the services, saying that she couldn't afford it. I'm a bitch. And I'm sorry, Karens, but this is the first thing that popped in my head is, was this our first Karen on record? It might be. Of course, this didn't go over very well, and the two argued again. So Grace is like, come help me out, come help me out. Oh, you know what? No, I'm not paying for this. Right, you little bitch. So then they argue, and then when Grace's lameness returned... She freaked out and started to blame Ursula for everything that had gone wrong in her life. The death of her daughter, her her own lameness, her son's illness. And so she went and she spoke with the managers. <gasps> Karen. She went and complained to her boss, who was county session judge Brian Darcy. Who's the person I, I speculate may have inspired some of Matthew Hopkins's later tactics and beliefs. So, like I said, I couldn't find a whole lot on Brian Darcy, but from what I gathered, he just already decided that these women were guilty, and he went in, and he didn't care how he treated them as long as he got the confession, the confessions that he wanted. Does this scenario remind you of anything that we have been watching lately? Oh, yeah, making a murderer? <laughs> a little bit. Somebody, like, the neighbor didn't like him, so yeah. Basically. Yep. Y'all go ahead and come at me because that man's innocent. They're both innocent. Somebody else killed her. Jumping on the bandwagon, the family of Elizabeth Leatherdale accused Ursula of death by bewitchment. Elizabeth's mom had refused to let Ursula borrow some cleaning supplies, which I'm guessing probably wasn't Comet and Bleach back in the day. You don't know. I don't know. Maybe Comet's been around for 500 years. Yeah. 600? Wait, 400? Math. They may have just been been around for a while. LLC then. So she refuses the cleaning supplies. And when when Ursula's seen walking away, she's muttering to herself under her breath. And Elizabeth, the daughter, later becomes sick and dies. So the parents put two and two together. It had to, of course, be Ursula's fault. 
Nobody ever mutters under their breath at all. She was talking shit. Oh, it had to be. It had to be not just talking shit, but throwing a curse on Elizabeth. Mm Mm-hmm. It's the ultimate shit talk. This is going to remind you a little more of the case that we've been watching. So Judge Darcy decided that it's time to speak with Ursula's illegitimate eight-year-old son, Thomas, to investigate her witchcraft habits. And, of Mm -hmm. course, he does this without a parent around because, you know, it's 1582 and nobody gives a shit. Mm -hmm. Poor Thomas is confronted by this really imposing authority figure. And he's by himself. And I don't know how long it was, but I... I don't think this kid just immediately confessed. I think he had that kid for a while. Thomas said that his mother was indeed a witch with four familiars, two cats, a lamb, and a toad. And that's basically all they got out of Thomas from what I could find. Aside that, aside from that, he said that they would, she would feed her familiars with her own blood. That was basically, she has these familiars. It's four, four of them and she feeds them with blood. Ursula initially denied all of the claims that were brought against her until Judge Darcy promised leniency if she confessed. That's when she confessed to having familiars, saying that she fed them on cake, beer, and her own blood. Mm, Good combination. Which, Which is what comes up later in Hopkins stuff, right? She then named other witches that she knew who in turn named yet more rumored witches. It was like this big pyramid Witch scheme. Yes. Or you pull one and it just collapses all around. Everybody's Mm -hmm. like, oh, shit. Taking everybody down with me. At the trial, the accusations hurled at the 14 women included things like using magic to prevent beer from brewing. Oh, shit. Damn. Bewitching cattle. Bewitching cattle and causing wasting sicknesses and death in people, which is not good. Which really... There weren't that many accusations. They were just like, damn you, you ruined my beer. Oh, you also may have killed my cattle. Right. Any issue that they've had in the last three weeks. Yeah, pretty much. So of those 14 women, 10 were accused of, 10 were accused of bewitching to death. 10 of them. Remember the, if you're convicted of bewitching to death, it's, you are mandatory execution, right? During the trials, all the women were housed in a building known as the Cage, which will come up later. In 1921, some construction workers were doing some digging in St. Osseth when they found two human skeletons not contained in coffins, definitely not in any kind of, like, marked grave, and they had what looked like iron spikes in their bones, which was this pretty common practice for witches in the mid-1600s. So that's a little after this time that would have been more during hopkins range range rain so when hopkins came around that would have been a thing to put the iron spikes through them but there were only two and who were the two women that were convicted and killed elizabeth elizabeth and ursula so one of these is believed to be ursula it's just kind of like that general rumor because she was such a well-known figure from the area Although it hasn't been confirmed, as far as I can tell, I, I looked to see if they'd done any kind of, if they could do any kind of genetic tests. Like, did Thomas end up having kids and there's some kind of genetic line that they were able to tell for sure whether this was Ursula? Couldn't find it. They very well may have been accused of witches, though, since there were so many executed in Essex over the years and in Chelmsford. Mm-hmm. And St. Osseth. So, it, it, they probably were accused witches. I just don't know if either of those was Elizabeth. So, Elizabeth eventually was, she was like, she was killed, right? I just, I when I was reading through the charges and the fact that 10 of them got off, well, 10 of them were charged with murder by witchcraft. Okay. So, eight of them got off of that. And they were just allowed to go on with their life. There were 14 women altogether. So 12 of them walked away basically with a slap on the wrist. Some of them had some imprisonment time, but two of them were executed because they were forced to confess to crimes. They care. I guarantee you they didn't commit these crimes. Mm -hmm. They were just put in shitty situations. 
Anyway, let's get back to the cage. It's a smallish building that's operated that was operated as a prison for witches, a quarantine building during the plague for plague victims, and then a prison until 1908. After that, the building became a home that passed through several hands in rapid succession. Supposedly, the first buyer got rid of it within two weeks. Don't know why. Possibly a house flip. It was like the early 1900s. I don't know. Someone else is said to have lost their minds and hung themselves on the property. The most recent owner of the cage is Vanessa Mitchell, who lived there for only a few years before moving out in 2008. She spent 10 years trying to sell it but couldn't find a buyer. Though I I think it might have just recently been purchased at the end of 2019 or early 2020. I know for sure, thanks to Live Science, that it was still for sale in June of 2019. But I think when I was doing my research, I saw that it was recently sold. So I'm not 100% sure. Okay. Might still be on the market if you're interested in a haunted house. Yes, in Essex. So Vanessa purchased the house in 2004. And she said that she wasn't warned about any of the deaths that had occurred there. Though most, most realty companies... They don't disclose deaths. They're not just going to disclose that kind of info. Because people die all the time. People die in houses all the time. Whatever. I'm pretty sure you're required to tell somebody. Nope. Go ahead and look it up. It's not a requirement. Especially, so some states require that there are certain levels of disclosure. Like if there was a murder, they might have to disclose that. But deaths, not necessarily. So... I would imagine that in a place that has this much history, it would be almost impossible. You just have to assume. The thing is 500 years old, so somebody's going to have died there at some point. Mm-hmm. You're buying a 500-year-old home, and you're like, oh, nobody told me they died here? Well, fucking die. Yeah, especially, I think, 500 years ago. You didn't go to a hospital. and you And you knew the thing was used as a place for plague victims. It's widely known as a place that was that housed plague victims right. and a prison. You guarantee there were deaths there. Duh. That's just my personal opinion. Sorry, Vanessa. That to me is a duh. Anyway, she said that the house was active all the time, day or night. It didn't matter. With objects getting thrown around, doors slamming, blood splatters appearing on the walls, and interference with electronics, which blood splatters appearing on the wall would definitely freak me the fuck out. Hell yeah. You're just walking along, it's like, pew, on the wall. Fuck that. No thanks. I'll be out. Mm-hmm. She stayed there for a while, though. She said that she would see a shadow figure and was even violently attacked on multiple occasions including being pushed to the ground while she was pregnant. That, I think, personally would have been my, like, peace out. If I'm pregnant and you're messing with me, I'm not putting my kid in danger, personally. At one point, she claimed to see a satanic goat, quote, satanic goat, wandering around her house in some CCTV footage. CCTV footage. That was a really long V. It took you a while to get there. I couldn't find that footage. I don't know if that was recorded or if she just happened to glance at it. I don't know. But I didn't find it. But the last straw for her was when she saw the shadow figure standing between her and her son as it leaned over his bed. Yeah, right. And that's when she was like, "Mm, you know what? Maybe this is a little bit too eh. Didn't learn the lesson when when it pushed you over. Yeah, when you were pregnant. I'm going to wait until I see it leaning over my kid. Yeah. And then I'm going to say, well. Wait till he's born and he can remember this and have some <laughs> trauma. So she took her son and she ran and she refuses to return to this home, especially at night. I think I she wouldn't. may have gone back like once or twice with some paranormal investigators, but it's just her. She doesn't take her kid with her. And Yeah, I wouldn't go back either. There have been several paranormal investigations that have occurred in the home since she left with people having all kinds of crazy, terrifying experiences. So, some of the experiences reported in the home are of the shadow figure, lots of footsteps, growling, which freaks me out, I don't like that, books flying off of shelves, whispers, which freaks me out even more, strange phantom music, 
light anomalies, and electrical problems. So there's one group of investigators that went up to the master bedroom, which is supposedly the most haunted space in the home. And there, after they had heard growling and several loud bangs, the face of an investigator named Debbie was seen on camera to transform. And I have a video of this, and this video freaks me out personally. So her nose gets really long, and her eyes look they're, it's creepy and hollow, and she has this really terrifying-looking grin on her face. I can picture it perfectly. I can see it in my mind. It's just creepy. So and she's I'll a crew it. member, and to the people watching the video, her face morphs? Yeah, she was an invest- a paranormal investigator that went up there, and they're all, like, standing around a table. There's a group of them. Okay. And the camera, you can see three out of, like, the four or five people that are there, and she's to the right. I'll show you the video. But... As they're up there trying to speak and trying to connect with whatever entities are there, you see her face really change. And I'll show you this video in a minute, but it's gross. It creeps me out. So the guys that were observing what was happening ended the investigation immediately as soon as they saw this. And when Debbie came downstairs, she was complaining that her back was burning. So they moved her jumper out of the way to get a closer look. And they saw what looked like these four long finger-like Barn marks that were running up her, like the back, up her back and onto her neck. Mm-hmm. So I, I saw the picture and you can kind of see the marks. I personally don't, it, it, you see them. They're red, but they're not super vibrant. But I guess maybe Hollywood has jaded me to the idea that something would be really vibrantly red. No. And she's in a dark space. Either way, she still has these obvious marks on her right. back. So even though there seemed to be these the, the tie to the witch trials, it may not just be the accused witches that are haunting the property, causing the damage and the harm. There's an old asylum across from the home and a pub that's down the street that are both reported to be really, really haunted. Although, I think simply the nature of the haunting at the home is probably what would lead people to suspect it to be related to torture and to witchcraft and like worship of Satan and stuff, because if you think it's aggressive, it's attacking and throwing. She saw a freaking satanic goat, and this woman has her face like it's. I think it's called transmogrification, where it changes shape. Okay. So it's hard to say that it might be the spirit of an old pub patron or an asylum patron patient that is being a satanic goat and warping people's faces that's a little bit i could i could see why people think that it might be more tied to the witchcraft stuff would you stay a night there probably not Mm. that one might be a little bit out there for me here let me show you this video but yeah you see how her she has kind of an upturned nose she has a nice round face yeah. yeah but as you watch the video her nose looks like it comes out and it bends down like and a witch nose. she gets this real big nasty like joker smile on her face and her eyes look really you can see the other people's eyes and they reflect but not the way that hers do hers are different yeah. and there's just something about it that is very unsettling it's unsettling it's a creepy video i can't 100 percent explain why her face would transform like that because you can see at the beginning of the video she looks different than she does in the middle when, when her face gets really long and pointed and weird. Yeah. Whether it's something that's manipulating the image itself or manipulating her face. Because it doesn't look like anybody there notices it, but not, a change in her. They were necessarily her. watching. Right. They were all looking down at the table in their hands. Yeah. And it's dark. This is a, one of those infrared cameras that can see in the dark yeah. or whatever. But yeah, I thought that was a pretty creepy video. Pretty it's creepy. it's something I've seen before, and I've seen it on a big screen. Uh, it's hard to see on a camera, but when you look at it on like a TV or computer screen, and it's really big, you can really see how much her face changes in this, and it's gross. <laughs> it creeps me out. <laughs> if you need a nose job, if you need a nose job, don't go to the plastic surgeon just find a haunted house no no they're gonna give you the opposite of the nose job that you want if you go there but those are the ghosts 
of the cage and some of the witch trials from St. Osseth in Essex. That was a good story. Thank you for Thank sharing. You. I always found, interestingly and weirdly, I don't know why, I always found witchcraft really fascinating growing up. I love witchcraft history. Because you are a witch. It's, well, I used to practice. Witch bitch. Not anymore. Too lazy. Have you ever been interested in witchcraft? Like the history of it or anything? It's interesting how I different it is. I haven't ever seeked it out. I mean, I found it interesting when like learning about Salem, witch trials and stuff, but... Salem wasn't the only one in the U.S. Salem is just the one that's most widely Everybody known. knows about, yeah. Yeah. It's taught about, I'm pretty sure. There is a difference between... So, you think about the Spanish Inquisition and the witch hunts that happened on the continent were really different. Loads of people died in those. They were brutal on the continent, on the European continent. Mm -hmm. And then in England... I think over several hundred years, it was only an estimated five to six hundred people that were that died, which okay. is still bad, but it was much less than the continent. And then you get over to to America, the U.S., which wasn't the U.S. It was the colonies at the time, mm -hmm. and it was different again. So it's a it's a little different everywhere you go, and it's kind of like they pick up something and they take it with them, and then they kind of warp their idea of what witchcraft is and Baseline, nobody likes witches, huh? Yeah, essentially, yep. But it wasn't until Hopkins came around that they were really associated with the devil and that they were heretics. It wasn't until the mid-1600s before that. Thanks, Hopkins. At least in England. They may have been in Spain. I don't know. It's essentially, everything in Spain before that was you were a heretic for basically living and breathing. Way to go. We lucked out. So that, that is my story for you tonight. And you're sticking to it? I am sticking to it. Yeah. Shall we do our usual closing spiel? Spiels and spas. If you would like to support the show, you can do that by buying some merch on Tee Public. We have a store on there with some really fun some designs. Fire-ass fits. That, yeah. Which you'll see a link uh, if you scroll into the show notes. There's a link for merch. Right there. Awesome. Click that shit. Click that shit. Easy for you. If you want to do a one-time donation, you can do buy me a coffee and buy us some beers on buymeacoffee.com. Click that shit. I think we have everything. Our lowest donation level is like $3, but it's a nice one-time donation and it helps us out a lot. Or if you're really enjoying the show and you want to check out some bonus content, you can become a donor on Patreon. Which is better because you get benefits. Yeah, there are some fun benefits that come along with it. F from getting a, an exclusive sticker. To so watching videos of me doing her makeup. <laughs> and some bonus creepy-ass episodes. Creepy pasta. Yep. Some creepy episodes and bloopers. Surprisingly, most of our stuff makes it into the episode. I don't cut that much out. <laughs> but we do have some bloopers and outtakes. So The stuff that doesn't make it onto the show. Yeah, there's not too much of it. We're pretty fucking funny. And That's it's, true. I, I just, I roll with it. We go with it. Roll with the show. It's, I roll with it. Here's what? some savant. No, I mean, we don't, we don't say things over and over again we basically just you say things over and over again because you can't speak them. you need to listen to our outtakes episode and hear yourself doing that do you want to tell them about our social media and our email no i don't okay fine i'll tell them wait you, you can find us on all your local social media platforms that's instagram twitter facebook at drink drunk dead what's our email baby drink drunk dead podcast at gmail.com waiting for you to finish it there but you let me hang okay <laughs> well you can send us your stories you can send us episode ideas thoughts suggestions whatever send us pictures of your oven or your kitties. Us... <gasps> send me pictures of kitties i love getting spooky pictures of kitties, kitties. oh it is halloween season yes Yo, please send we should have a pictures. contest of the spookiest animal like, it has to be somebody's animal. Okay. 
And whoever can make it look the spookiest wins. Spookiest or most ridiculously adorable? Both. What are they going to win? PetSmart gift card. I don't want to buy another gift card. <laughs> I just sent out a $100 gift card. I don't know, a couple cat treats, man. <laughs> we'll send you a dog bone or a bag of kitty treats. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know where I was going with my thought for a second there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Halloween stuff. Are you doing anything for my birthday coming up? You going to do a special episode? For your birthday? Haunted mirrors or something. Spooky. Maybe. There's so much that scares me. You could really go your with birthday? a lot. You're funny. If you're really enjoying the show, you can rate and review us on iTunes. It helps us out a lot. It gets our name out there to more listeners. And it lets people know what we're about and why you enjoy us. And if you don't enjoy us, why are you still listening at this point? Yeah. Pretty stupid of you. (laughs) So aggressive. Don't forget to tell your friends. Tell your homies. Hit them up. Dial their digits. That's another big one. Helps us get our name out there. It tells your friends what you're listening to because you're cool and you listen to us. So Let your friends know how cool you are. By expressing your affection for us. And by wearing our t-shirts. For sure. They'll know you love us then, for sure. Exactly. So, spirits, as always, thank you so much for listening and tuning in to yet another episode. Thank you. Shall we raise raise a a toast toast to to our our ghosts? ghosts?